I welcome each one of you today to the heart of Jesus. We've come here to celebrate that Jesus is alive. He is our risen Lord. We really celebrate this every day. But thank you that we can come. Thank you, Jesus, that we can come together as a body and know that Jesus is risen. Please join me and turn to Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene came and the other Mary to look at the tomb. And look, a great earthquake occurred, for an angel of the Lord, having come down out of heaven, having come, he rolled the stone from the door, and he was sitting upon it. And his appearance was as lightning, and his garment white as snow. Now the ones keeping watch trembled from the fear of him, and became like dead men. But the angel, having answered, said to the women, You must not be afraid. For I know that you are seeking Jesus, the one having been nailed to the cross. He is not here, for he was raised, just as he said. Come, you must see the place where the Lord used to be lying. And having gone quickly, you must tell his disciples that he was raised from the dead. And listen, he is going before you into Galilee. You will see him there. Pay attention, I told you. And having departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples. Verse 16, then the 11 disciples, I'm sorry, let's back up just a moment. Verse 9, now as they were going to tell his disciples and suddenly Jesus met them saying, hail, and having approached him, they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus says to them, you must not be afraid. You must go tell my brethren that they may go away into Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus appointed them. And after having seen him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Let's stop there for a moment. Some doubted. A question today. Are you doubting by searching for Jesus still nailed to the cross, just like these women? Or is the Jesus you seek risen and alive? Something I've found recently is our behavior tells on us. If you're still searching for a Jesus you believe to be dead, your behavior will tell on you. There's a great difference between our intellectual understanding as Christians. To be a Christian is to follow Jesus. 
It's to believe what the Bible says, that Jesus went to the cross, and three days later, he rose. But is it more than intellectual understanding? What does your behavior say? How we behave reflects what we truly believe. So are you behaving by walking in anger, fighting, complaining, contending with everyone and everything? Or are your hands lifted up? Are you walking innocently with Jesus in every response, in, the, in what you say, in what you do? If you are in the place, the first place, I encourage you today to think about and ask yourselves, what Jesus are you truly searching for? Is the Jesus you believe in and pray to still nailed to that cross? What do your actions say? We must take the stand every single day, searching for and believing in the risen Lord in more than just our words, in more than just our intellectual understanding but in our behavior. Because Jesus, he truly is alive, and he truly is risen. And when we stand through our actions, believing this, he brings freedom, and he is the only one who can open doors that no one can open and shut doors that no one can shut. Verse 18, Jesus, having come near, spoke to them, saying, All authority was given to me in heaven and on earth. After having gone, you must make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to keep all things, whatever I commanded you, and pay attention. I, I am with you all the days until the end of the age. Amen. The message is, Jesus died for love. Jesus died for love. Almighty King, sitting at the right hand of the throne of majesty. And the throne is so big, you have room for all of us to come sit with you. And we want to come sit with you, Jesus. You said we were co-heirs, heirs of salvation. And that we could come and sit with you on your throne. Thank you, Jesus. Would you bless this simple word I speak today by your Holy Spirit? Would you warm our hearts? Lord, there are some here today who can smile on the outside, but the smile quickly fades because inside there's coldness. Come and warm our hearts today. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. John, 20th chapter. I'm going to begin reading to you from verse 11. John, the 20th chapter. Begin with verse 11. But Mary had stood outside near the tomb, weeping. Then as she was weeping, she stooped down toward the tomb. And she sees two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus used to be laid. And they say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she says to them, They took away my Lord, and I know not where they laid him. And after having said these things, she turned to the back and saw Jesus having stood there, but she'd not known that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Thinking that he's the gardener. She says to him, Sir, if you carried him away, you must tell me where you laid him, and I'll go and take him. Jesus said to her, Mary, Having turned, she, she said to him, Rabbani, which means teacher. Mary didn't know very much, but she knew the voice of Jesus when he spoke tenderly to her. I want you to know the voice of Jesus when he speaks tenderly to you. He'll sometimes say to me, Ray, I recognize that voice anywhere. Sometimes he'll say, come, I want to talk to you. I'm always a little concerned when he says that because I don't know if it's a rebuke that I'm going to hear. You know, like I used to hear from my dad when I got home from church, Ray, come here, I want to talk to you. What did I do, Daddy? But usually when he says, come, I want to talk to you, it means... He's going to show me something I need to know. Something that will comfort my heart. Something that will end the drought. Do you remember who this Mary is? This is Mary of Magdala. Out of whom seven demons were cast. She's the prostitute. She's the one who plied her her trade in the city of Magdala. As you, as you come into the city of Magdala, I want you all to come and visit Magdala with me next year. As you walk into the city of Magdala, there's a street about as wide as from me to that wall. It's the main street. It goes right down through town. And as you come walking down that street, there are on each side shops where people would have businesses. But then as you come halfway down that street, on the left-hand side, 
There's a synagogue, one of seven that they found in Israel from the time of Jesus. I wonder if Magdala was was busy that, that Friday night. I wonder if, if she was out plying her, her trade that Friday night. Skirts swishing, face made up, sweet perfume, looking for a man who would pay her. And I wonder if that's when Jesus came walking down the street And she said, now there's a man I'd like. And when she approached Jesus, I wonder if Jesus said, why don't you come in the synagogue with me? I have something to say. And I wonder if she sat on the outskirts, not daring to come too close, filled with demons. As Jesus comes into the synagogue and takes the seat of Moses. They all knew the disciples. The disciples were fishermen, and they would bring their fish to Magdala to be be bought and processed to be sent on to Rome. So the disciples are all there, and they know all about Mary. They've all been hit on by Mary. And they see Mary at the door, and they're saying, whoa. Look, she's going after Jesus now. Oh, no, no, no. It was Jesus who was going after Mary now. He did not see a prostitute. He saw a daughter. He wanted to save her soul. He wanted to cast the demons out. He wanted to set her free. He wanted to love her. I wonder if if Mary stood up in the midst of his speaking from the seat of Moses, and I wonder if Jesus pointed his finger at her and said, Woman, be free. And if he cast a demon out right there, he had to do it seven times. I mean, she she was deep. She was filled with darkness. I wonder if she ran screaming away from the tabernacle that night, from the synagogue. She couldn't stand his goodness. She wanted some money from him. She was willing to sell her body. And he was after her soul. He wanted her body, soul, and spirit. I wonder how many times Jesus came and taught at Magdala, probably many times. And Mary edged closer and closer until the day the last demon was cast out. And she heard he was going to be at Simon the leper's house. And she brought her finest perfume, oil. And she couldn't stop kissing his feet. In that day, 
men lay on the couches while they were eating and the women served. The women didn't lay on the couch. And if a woman in that day was a prostitute and wanted to proposition a man, she took her hair down and covered his feet. And he knew he was invited. All she knew was to take her hair down and cover his feet and start to kiss them. But she was weeping. And her tears washed his dirty feet. Because Simon did not offer him any water to wash away the dust of the journey. But she shamelessly wept over his feet and kissed them. She loved this man because he had loved her first. And he was the first man she'd ever known who did not try to use her. He just loved her. Until she was so full of that love, all she could do is weep over his feet and cling to him. And Simon is saying, oh, if he was a prophet, he would know this woman is a sinner. That woman was no longer a sinner. She was redeemed. She was washed. She was clean. And all she could do is weep over his feet and kiss them. What glory! This is the Jesus we serve. So now she's in the garden. You should see that garden. It's a beautiful garden. It's manicured and kept today like it was then. This was Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. He was a very wealthy man. He could pay the gardener to take care of the whole garden. And the only tomb there was his family tomb. You go into the tomb and there's a place, there's a foyer, small foyer. You go into the tomb and immediately on the right-hand side is a slab where they would lay the body. And then the body would be treated and wrapped with spices. And then there were two carved out of the stone openings, burial places, one for Joseph of Arimathea and one for his precious wife. I wonder what she said when Joseph said, Honey, I just gave our tomb away. And I wonder what she said when he came back and said, Honey, our tomb is empty. Our Jesus has arisen. We can use our tomb. And she said, no, we will never use that tomb. That was Jesus' tomb. And the tomb has never been used except for Jesus. And now Mary, she says, did the gardener, do you know where his body is? And he says, Mary, Mary. I wonder if he said to that after he cast the first demon out, Mary, don't be afraid. And she probably ran with 
swishing skirts, perfume. She wasn't ready to have a man that night. I wonder if after every demon was cast out, if he said to her, Mary, Mary, don't run from me. Mary. Until finally all seven were cast out. And I wonder what happened when the seventh demon was cast out and he said, Mary, now you're clean. Now you never need to run again. Mary, I love you. Have you heard Jesus say to you, you never need to run again? I love you. All the demons are gone. You're clean. You're set free. Wow. Are you free today? Or are there demons still haunting your life? Is there still the demon of selfishness? Immorality? Lust, anger, violence, bitterness. Are those demons still in your life? You can be set free. Don't run from Jesus. Don't run from Jesus. Some of you have been running all your life. So what would Mary do? He suddenly heard him say, Mary, what's what's she going to do? You know what she's going to do. She's going to fall on her face and she's going to begin to weep and kiss his feet. And that's exactly what she did. The scriptures tell us that Jesus had to say to her, you must stop holding me for I have not yet ascended to my father. All she could do was hold on to his feet and weep. She knew these feet. She'd kissed them before. And now all she can do is weep over his feet and kiss them. Man, talk about glory. But listen to what he says. You must stop holding me. In the Greek, it literally means Stop right now what you're doing. You know, I've heard, I've heard David Samson say to his children, Stop it right now. Stop it right now. And they go, What? Dad spoke. Stop it right now. It is in the Greek, immediacy. You stop now. I'm going to show you why that's so important in just a moment, because I'm going to show you another place in the scriptures where the same identical phrase is used. Now listen. He hasn't ascended yet to his father. He says, but go and say to my brethren, 
This is to the women. Go tell my brethren. Say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. Suddenly, Jesus is saying, I'm ascending to my father and your father. Now, if it's my father and it's your father, that means we're family. We're brothers. I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. When the demons are cast out, when the love is built between us, he becomes our brother. And the father becomes our father. How did he teach us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. In other words, thy royal authority come and be exercised over my life. Your royal authority to control my actions and my behavior and my feelings. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, take charge. You're my daddy. Take charge. I will submit to you. You can't do that till the demons are cast out. You can't do that till the demons are gone. The rebellion has ended. And you have said, this world is no longer my home. Heaven is my home. Part of the painful experience of these last years without Jan has been something I said to her. Many times I said to her, because we moved 45 times in a very short number of years. And one night she said to me, Ray, where is home? And I said to her, home is where my heart is. And my heart is with you. So wherever you are, that's my home. And then, of course, I had to take it the next step. When she died, I no longer had a home. And when I no longer had a home, I had to recognize that my home was with Jesus because my heart's with Jesus. But his heart also is at home because his heart is with me. You understand, the new Jerusalem stands empty. It's not Jesus' home yet because we're not there. His heart is with us. Home is where Jesus' heart is. Jesus has promised me 
that I'll finish this journey on this earth with another precious wife. And when he gives me that precious wife, I'll know it because my heart will be at home. Do you understand? Home is everything. Home is where the heart is. Some people want to make home a hell. Because all they want to do is fight. That violates the heart of God. He wants home to be a place of love and kindness and mercy. He doesn't want it to be a place of bickering and arguing and fighting. He wants it to be a place of of mercy and compassion and understanding. My heart's with Jesus. My heart's at home. And he's with me all the time, but at one level, I have to tell you, my heart is very lonely. Because I want to go home. I want to be with Jesus. I'm tired of the journey. And I want to hear Jesus say, come on home, Ray. Because I can't be at home until I'm with you. I mean, he couldn't stand to have Moses in the grave. He couldn't stand to have Elijah in the grave. Couldn't stand to have Enoch in the grave. And now he wants all of us. And now I have to show you just one other passage of Scripture. John 20, 17 says, you must stop. Immediate, now, stop. Well, that phrase is used in another place in Scripture. The same identical phrase. Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in its lust of it. Therefore, the sin must not reign. Literally, it's the same phrase used in the other place. And I think it should be translated the same identical way. Stop sinning now. Stop it. Stop it right now. Don't walk in it anymore. Because it blocks us from the heart of Jesus. I don't want to be blocked from the heart of Jesus. I want Jesus' heart to be at home with me. And I want to be at home with him. And if I walk in sin, I am a son of the devil. Well, I disown the devil. I've given him his walking papers. I have said, I am done with you. Get out of here. I will serve 
the love of my heart because I'm at home with him. What immediate action do you need to take right now, today? What vows do you need to make right now, today? To be finished with all sin. Five more demons. Four more demons. What demons have to be cast out of your heart and your life? Jesus is waiting. He wants to make his home with you. He is risen. Is he risen in your heart? It's easy to say he is risen. And for you to answer, he is risen indeed. No, I don't want to know that. I already got that down. I want to know, has he risen in your heart? Has he cast the demons out of your family and out of your marriage and out of your life so that you can't help but beam with joy because he's come to you and called you by name and said, I love you. Make your home with me. Is Jesus risen today in your heart? Let's pray. I love you, Jesus. You are the joy of my heart. Thank you for the gift of your love. And thank you for casting the demons out of my heart. Thank you that you have washed and cleansed my heart. I ask that we would all have that testimony of victory today. But if not, then Lord, quickly cast the demons from our hearts. Take all sadness and despair, depression and discouragement, all unbelief, for we know you are coming with power and majesty and you will open before us all that you desire that the kingdom of God could advance in this wicked, wicked world. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen.